You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. Hey, welcome, Awaken Salt Lake City. It is wonderful to be back with you. I just wish that I wasn't just here on the screen. I wish I was sitting there hanging out with you and able to see those beautiful mountains, that gorgeous snow, and uh, be with you guys. But please pray that Pastor Vince and Rebecca invite me back. I'm not sure what I did last time wrong, but apparently no invitation back. So just pray that they become gracious and merciful so I can come back, put some pressure on them. We even sent Alex and Tanae Clot trying to put some pressure, coerce them. And uh, Pastor Alex and Pastor Tanae, I love you guys. You guys are in. Get ready, get ready, get ready for the greatest season of your church just yet. Well, it's October, otherwise known as Rocktober, and uh, this is an incredibly powerful month because we have an election looming, and I want you to be equipped, I want you to be empowered, and I want you to be engaged. So the title of my message today is Faith and Values, Faith and Values. If you're taking your notes, that's the title of this message, Faith and Values. Come with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be uh, reading from verse 9. Matthew 6, verse 9. Many of you will know this as the Lord's Prayer, but this is what it says. In this manner, therefore pray. This is Jesus speaking to His disciples. In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and Forgive us our debts and as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What a powerful passage of Scripture. That's Jesus there speaking about us when we pray. Can I just tell you, that's not just meant to be a prayer that we recite at funerals that we recite when we're going through a difficult time, that we recite like some type of magic formula. But it's actually a mission. Jesus was trying to engage the disciples to, to comprehend and to, to draw down a heavenly mindset around their life, their mission, their purpose, and their values. So when you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The place where God's kingdom is present is evident by which will is being done. When the will of man is being done, the kingdom of God is not present. When the will of God is being done, the kingdom of God is present. In a kingdom, a kingdom is very different to a democracy. In a kingdom, there's only one vote, the king. How do you know if you're in the kingdom of God? It's very simple. Whose will are you doing? Are you doing your will? Or are you doing His will? And when you make His will, your will. Remember Jesus in Gethsemane? Three times He prayed, Father, if it is possible for this cup to pass by, nevertheless, not my will, but Thy will be done. Jesus knew to see the kingdom established in His life, to see God's kingdom purposes established in His life, He needed to align His will with the Father's will. He need to let His will lay down and take the Father's will upon Himself. 
This is really important. I was talking to somebody recently and they were saying, hey, yeah, you know, coming into the election, we just want, we just encourage people, hey, just go and vote your faith and your values. Just go and vote your faith and your values. The problem I have with that is a lot of people, their faith and their values haven't come from the kingdom. Their faith and their values have come from the world. Their faith and their values have come from the education system. Their faith and their values have come from the loudest voices in the fabric of our community, in the corridors of our media, on social media. The, the social justice warriors are shaping their faith and their values. You need to understand that if the world is shaping your faith and values, you're not going to get kingdom. So I want to take that down a little bit deeper. Today I want to talk to you as we come into an election, not only why the election is important, but I actually want to give you a mission and assignment. Oh, is he going to tell us who to vote for? I bet he's a Trump fanatic. Oh, I bet he's going to... No, no, let me just tell you. This is what you vote for. Whenever you go to vote, forget the personalities, forget the candidate, forget all of that kind of stuff. Well, I'm this party. I was brought up a Democrat. We're staunch Republican. Forget all of that stuff. Just put all of that aside. Elections are far too important to just let a political persuasion or let a personality or all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you what you got to do. This is your biblical responsibility. When it comes to voting, faith and values, when it comes to voting, you're to vote the values of your heavenly Father. You're to vote the heart of your heavenly Father. Look for the values that line up with the heart of God. Look for the values that line up with the kingdom of God. Not the loudest voices in the social media, not the loudest voices in uh, social justice warriors, not the loudest voices on CNN or MSNB. The, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about life? What does the Bible say about conception? What does the Bible say about the most innocent and vulnerable among us? What does the Bible say about marriage? What does the Bible say about family? What does the Bible say about morals? What does the Bible teach about safety? So I need you to understand that when Jesus says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that Jesus is saying that, that if you can vote God's values, if you can vote God's heart, if you can, then you can begin to see heaven on earth in, in tangible moments, tangible expressions. We'll never see it completely because of the crazy. So let me just help you. Point number one, I need you to understand that there is always a territorial and a regional battle. Point number one, territorial and regional battle. In Genesis 1.28, after God created man in His image and likeness, the Bible says, And the Lord blessed man. And He said to man, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. To subdue, the word sub means under. Subdue means to bring under your authority. To subdue. He says, Exercise dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and the beasts of the field. So Adam was created to exercise dominion over the entire world, over the entire planet. And it's very interesting that we find the word subdue all the way back 
to the pre-sin state, to the pre-fall in Genesis 1. Almost like God knew that there was a serpent in the wilderness that needed to be brought under Adam's authority, that Adam needed to put his foot on the neck of that serpent. That's, that's the implication there. So that's Genesis 1. In Genesis 2, we see what God does. God does something very, very powerful. The Bible says, And the Lord created a garden eastward in Eden, and there He took the man whom He had formed, and He placed him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. To tend, tender, to nurture, to care for, and to keep it, to protect it. Adam, even though he was given dominion over the whole world, God be starts him in a garden. Before I became pastor of Awakened Church in San Diego, before God blessed us with six locations, He tested me way, way back with a youth group. In fact, even before I had a youth group, I was the chair setter up or a person. My job was the setting up of chairs. They didn't trust me with people yet. So the pastor, the youth pastor said, all right, your job on a Friday night and on a Saturday night when we have youth, your job is to set up chairs to make sure they're all in alignment. And so not only did I set up the chairs, but I prayed over the chairs. As I'm setting them up, the person who sits in this chair, they're going to get saved. The person who sits in this chair, they're going to have an encounter with God. The person who sits in this chair, they're going to get rocked tonight by the Word of God. And I would pray over every chair. I was then put in charge of the stage. I had to make sure that the, the stage had all the props and everything. And then I was in charge of not just the chairs and the stage, but then I was in charge of the greeting. And then I was in charge of what happened afterwards where people could meet and greet and that the new people could be corralled into a visitor's area. Before they gave me people, they gave me chairs. When I was faithful with a little, they gave me more. This is a kingdom principle. If you can't be faithful with what is least, who will trust you with much? That's why we want you to volunteer. That's why we want you to serve in an area. It's not that we don't believe that you're called to be the next apostle, prophet, bishop, evangelist, pastor, teacher, leader, world-changing guru. It's not that we don't believe that. We do believe that. We just want you to understand that God elevates you based on faithfulness. He doesn't elevate you based on gifting. He doesn't elevate you based on your CV. He doesn't base, elevate you based on your resume or what other people say. He elevates you based on can you be faithful in a small area? Can you be So God puts Adam in a garden to tend and to keep it. What do we notice about this garden is very quickly we recognize the presence of of the devil, the serpent, Satan, that old serpent. The enemy comes, and instead of Adam subduing, Adam stays silent. Let me just say this. Adam's silence, Adam's passivity, Adam's abdication of God's command to subdue caused the largest real estate transference in human history. Adam was given the world and because he stepped back from bringing the devil under authority, he loses the entire world. When Satan comes and presents himself in the book of Job before God in heaven, God looks at Satan because remember God created Lucifer. Lucifer in his rebellion leaves the name light bearer and becomes Satan the accuser. 
And God says, where have you come from? And Satan, listen to the arrogance. He says, I've come from the earth, from walking back and forth and going to a fro upon it. Now we read that and go, isn't that lovely? Oh, the devil likes walking. He's fit, isn't he? He's a little, he's into fitness. He likes walking. It's healthy. It'll get your circulation. No, 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 no. When the Bible says Satan's saying, I came from the earth from walking back and forth and going to and fro upon it. Remember God said to Joshua and Moses, every place the sole of your foot shall tread, I have given you. In other words, the way that you take a territory is by walking on it, by claiming it. The devil is walking back on the earth saying, this is my territory. This is my jurisdiction. This is where my governance is enacted. You are rejected. This is my world. Remember Jesus in the the wilderness tempted by the devil? Third temptation is Satan shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and their splendor. And then he says this to Jesus. He says, all these are mine. All these have been delivered to me and I can give them to whomever I wish. If you will just bow down before me, I can give them to you. Jesus does not contest the fact, but he also does not bow before him. He says, I know that Adam yielded. I will not yield. He said, it is written, devil, you shall worship the Lord your God. Him only shall you serve. I'll go to a cross and be crucified and I'll take the keys of death and I'll take the keys of hell and I'll wrestle your authority from you over this world and I'll give it to my people, but there will be a battle. In the book of Revelation, I think it's Revelation 13 verse 12, it says this. It says that there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back. And the Bible says that there was no longer a place found for them in heaven any longer. So they were cast down into the earth. And then the Bible says this, Therefore rejoice, you heavens and those who dwell therein, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you having great wrath, having great fury, because he knows his time is short. In other words, the book of Revelation says that heaven right now has peace, but the earth has chaos. Heaven right now has peace. There's no more war in heaven, but there is war on the earth. If you say, well, you know, I just think that if I leave the devil alone, he'll leave me alone. I wish that were true. Oh gosh, I wish that were true. All you do by not understanding your authority in the kingdom, all that you achieve by by stepping back into passivity is allowing the evil one to come and ransack your, your goods, your produce. Jesus says, when a strong man fully armed guards his palace, his goods are safe. When one stronger than he comes, he must first overpower that strong man. Then he's able to take away the armor in which he's trusted and then he can plunder his house. Jesus came to defeat the devil, but then to equip you and I to take out the strong man, to bind the strong man, to take down the devil. There are demons over different regions. So let me just explain what happens. So Adam was given a region called the Garden of Eden, and he lost not just Eden, he lost the world. Jesus came and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. The devil now knows that he is defeated. Here's the problem. 
2,000 years ago, Jesus defeated the devil, but 2,000 years later, the devil still goes largely uncontested. We are here to contest with the devil over Salt Lake City. We are here to contest with the devil over San Diego. And what they want is they want to rule. They want to govern. They want to create chaos, division, disorder, destruction. When I look at the, the, the rioting, the Antifa, the BLM, when I look at all the rioting and the looting, you need to understand, get a biblical perspective. Don't allow the world to interpret the word, but allow the word to interpret the world. Jesus says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief cometh to steal, kill, and destroy. Wherever you see theft, death, murder, and destroy destruction. Wherever you see theft, death, destruction. Hello, Minneapolis. Hello, Portland. Hello, Seattle. Wherever you see, hello, Kenosha. Wherever you see death, theft, destruction. The thief cometh to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the devil. That's his fingerprints all over that. Have nothing to do with that. You and I are not here to get behind and support death, theft, and destruction. You and I are here to overthrow that so that people have life and life more abundantly. That people have freedom. Well, I just believe that whoever God wants in authority will be in authority. Really, really. In Luke chapter 5, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus comes across the sea of Galilee to the region of the Garrisons or the Gadarenes. The Bible says in there, there is a man who had his dwelling amongst the tombs, who night and day would cut himself with stones. No one could tame him. He would cry out in agony and pain, howling at the moon. Many times the Bible says that they tried to chain him with shackles and chains, but he would break the shackles and snap the chains. Nobody could tame him. But Jesus comes across the sea in a storm comes to the other side after rebuking the wind and the waves. And he lands on the shore. And the Bible says this man comes out of the tombs and says to him, what have we to do? What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus said to him, come out of him. And then the demons did something very interesting. I want you to note, this is in the Gospel of Mark chapter 5. The demons begged him not to drive them out of the region, not to cast them out of the region. They were regional demons. They were territorial spirits over that region. Jesus saw there was a large herd of swine. Swine in the, the Hebrew culture were unclean animals. So the demons begged, send us into the swine, send us to where it's unclean. He gave them permission, but at once the herd ran violently down the steep hill off the cliff and drowned in the sea. The Bible says that when the pig farmers, when the swine herders heard about this, they came to Jesus and when they saw the man clothed, delivered, free, sitting, and in his right mind, they were afraid. The next verse says, and they earnestly begged Jesus to depart from their region. 
What? They begged Jesus to leave the... He was a man that everybody knew was tormented and vexed. He was a man who night and day cut himself. He was a man who, who was oppressed and possessed by the devil himself trying to destroy his life. What we saw in the pigs is what they were trying to do with him. They were trying to get him to commit suicide. And when they saw him free, but they saw what it cost, that it cost them their feeding of their pigs. It cost them their strip clubs. It costs them their gambling. It costs them their vices. It costs them feeding what is unclean. It costs them their Planned Parenthood. It costs them. And then they wanted to drive Jesus out of the region. But you know what? Jesus had already dealt with the territorial spirits. I want to give you some education. I don't have time. I've only got a few minutes left. But you need to understand over every single region, there are territorial spirits. Over Salt Lake City, when, when uh, Brigham Young finished what Joseph Smith started in bringing the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints, a cult, into that city, there was an oppression that came over that city, a religious, legalistic oppression over that city. Today we see a rebellion. Many of the young people that have left that denomination, that have left that faith, have rebelled the other way. That many of them believe in God, but they don't want to go anywhere near Him because He's controlling, He's nasty. But we're here to drive out those demonic lies. We're here to bring people into a freedom. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. Jesus came not to bring more rules. He came that you may have life and life more abundantly. Jesus took the 10 commandments, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, and he turned it into two, thou shalt. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you shall love your neighbors as yourself. In this hang all the commandments. This is how you fulfill all 10 commandments. He took 10 do nots and turned them into two, two do's. Jesus came that you may have life. And we are in Salt Lake City to overthrow the principalities and powers, to overthrow the demonic regions. Now, let me just tell you, the demons were not content to just possess this man. The demons, the devil doesn't want to just oppress and possess. He wants to govern regions. He wants to be the ruling spirit. He wants to be the chief principality and power over a region. When Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, when the children of Israel were taken captive into Babylon, after 70 years, Jeremiah prophesied that they would return from Babylon and rebuild Jerusalem. At the end of 70 years, it begins under King Darius the Mede, but then everything is halted because of the opposition of Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite and Gershom the Arab. And they shut down construction. They shut down. They create havoc. Daniel is distraught because he doesn't see this in any of the prophetic words. So Daniel goes into prayer and fasting. After 21 days of praying and fasting, Gabriel comes to, to Daniel. And he says, oh, Daniel, greatly beloved by God. I want you to know on the very first day, on the very first day you humbled yourself to pray, your prayer was heard in heaven and I was dispatched. I was sent in response to your prayer. However, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. But because Daniel, you didn't back up and you didn't quit, because you doubled down with prayer and fasting, 
Michael, the great prince, the protector of your people, was also dispatched. He came to my aid. He did battle with the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And I am now able, I was then able to come through and bring you this message from heaven. And when I return, I have to go back to do battle with the prince of Persia. And after he is gone, the prince of Greece will come. He was telling Daniel something that wouldn't happen for another 60, 70 years. That the Grecian Empire under Alexander the Great would overthrow the Medo-Persian Empire empire and would become the ruling dominant power. Things happen in the spiritual realm first and then they happen in the natural. The devil wants to rule Salt Lake City. The devil wants to rule California. He wants to rule San Diego. He wants to rule America. In Proverbs 29 verse 2, this is what it says. It says, when the the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. The devil has lied to a generation of church people saying whoever God wants will will end up in authority because all authority comes from God. All authority comes from God, but not all those who possess that authority are of God. Satan possessed the authority illegitimately. That's why Jesus had to come and die on a cross, descend into hell, crush his dead head, take the keys of death, take the keys of hell, and rise again on the third day, wrestling authority in heaven and earth from the devil. Whoever you vote into power, you will live under their authority. If you vote the wicked into power, you will live with a place and a city and a region where wickedness flourishes, where vice flourishes, where death flourishes, where oppression flourishes. You want to vote not just your faith and values, you want to vote heaven's faith and values. Vote according to biblical principles. Vote according to the Father's heart. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know what? Uh, I couldn't vote for, for either politician, so I'm not going to vote at all. Please don't be so silly. Well, you know, Donald Trump's been married three times. Yeah, yeah. Let, let me just tell you, you're not voting for a pastor. You've already got one. Well, you know, voting's the lesser of two evils. Unless Jesus was on the ballot, voting will always be the lesser of two evils. But let me just tell you, Jesus did come and they crucified him. We crucified him and he had no sin. So don't think. So let me just tell you, coming into the last election cycle, coming into the last election cycle, I prayed. I said, God, that back then it was Hillary Clinton, not Biden-Harris. Back then it was Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And I said, God, okay, both of them have got flaws and both of them have got some positives. How do you see them? And it was very interesting. God said to me, Jürgen, Donald Trump is like you. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? He said, like you, he's a transgressor of my laws. Like you, he's broken the commandments. Like you. He says, but the difference between him and Hillary is Donald Trump is a transgressor of my laws. She is a despiser of my laws. She wants to remove my laws from the land. At the Democrat convention, they booed God. They want nothing to do with God. They're burning Bibles. They're chanting death to God, death to America. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's why I throw no stones. Jesus, when they brought a woman caught in adultery out, Jesus says, all right, 
Yep, you're right. Moses gave a law that such should be stoned. So therefore, whoever here is without any sin, go ahead, knock yourself out, throw the first stone. One by one, they all dropped their stones and walked away because all have sinned and fall. When you're voting, you're not voting for a perfect man. If you believe that they're perfect, you've been deceived. If they come across like they're perfect, you've been deceived. When it comes to voting, look for which one will champion the values of God, the values of freedom, the values of heaven, and look which ones will violate that. That's how we vote. It's kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We love our cities. We love our people. I don't understand why you got to preach this on a Sunday because you need to understand the Bible speaks about authority. It speaks about territorial dominion. And the Bible speaks about seeking the peace of the place where you, where you live. The king's job is to execute the will of God. If you read Romans 13, it says that the, the, the purpose of the king is to execute the will of God on the earth. When you have somebody in king, when you have somebody in authority that doesn't execute but wants to, wants to get rid of, wants to deny, wants to thwart the will of God coming in the earth, that's when you're going to live in oppression. That's where you have a Nazi Germany. That's where you have a Stalin Russia. That's where you have a Mao Zedong, China. That's where you have a Pol Pot, Cambodia. That's where you see crazy all around the world. Idi Amin in Uganda. All of the people that reject God's will with their authority create chaos for their people. We are here to engage God, to understand authority, to understand biblical dominion, to vote out wickedness, and set up righteousness. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your civic leaders. But pray that, that God helps us to raise up godly men and women. Maybe you're, you're here in youth like, man, I, this is the first time, time I've ever heard anything like this. Maybe you ought to run for governor. Maybe you ought to run for county supervisor. Maybe you ought to run for the school board. Because if you don't, the wicked will fill it and they'll corrupt our children. They'll pervert and destroy. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for these beautiful people. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, friend, what are you waiting for? Give your life to Jesus Christ. If you once walked with Jesus, come back. If you're far from Jesus, come back. As uh, Pastor Alex gets up, I know he's going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. But I want to encourage you, give your life to Christ. And church, don't just vote your faith and values. Make sure that your faith and values are His faith and values, that you've got God's faith and God's values in your heart, and you'll find yourself being blessed, living and thriving in a city that is blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.